Leadership is a responsibility, not a position. Welcome to Leading from the Front with Dr. Gary McGrath, where experienced leaders share their own brand of leadership to help you develop and improve your own leadership capabilities. And now, here's your host, Dr. Gary. I'm Dr. Gary, making good bosses into great leaders with compassionate accountability. Welcome again to Leading from the Front, where leadership is a responsibility, not a position. Today's guest labels himself an executive turned entrepreneur. After being a firefighter, he went into retail and rose to senior vice president at Macy's. After 20 years, he decided to become an entrepreneur, so he founded Storebound in 2010, which develops Houseware is focused on better living under the brands Dash, Sobro, Maytag, and Zakarian, and distributes its products through top-tiered national retailers like Crate and Barrel, Target, and QVC. He also leads Dash Holdings Company, an investment organization specializing in aggressive growth companies in the consumer products arena. Using his deep experience in retail, wholesale, and manufacturing, he provides leadership and hands-on direction to drive growth and add value for these up-and-coming companies. And he gets to work with his wife, Rachel, every day. Please welcome Evan Dash. How are you doing, Evan? I'm doing great, Dr. Gary. Thanks for having me on today. So, Evan, talk to us a little bit about your past, your history, how you went from firefighter to retail to entrepreneur. Just fill us in a little bit about that history. Well, I guess from childhood forward, I was kind of a disaster in school and had terrible case of ADD, spent most of my childhood in the hallway in in school, and eventually went into college and had a really hard time finding my way. I failed out a couple of times and wound my way into the fire service and really found a lot of focus and made some great friends and learned the most incredible life lessons along the way. I always had a fascination in business and my dad worked in retail and he told me, don't go into retail. So just like so many other times he told me not to do something, I followed that path and went against his advice. And retail turned out to be incredibly good to me. Had an amazing, amazing time in the corporate world. Every time I got frustrated or felt like I was at the end of my development, I got promoted again and got re-energized and just had an incredible, incredible run and got to a level at a young age that I had never expected to. But I always had this burning desire to do something for myself where I was truly in control and had an incredibly supportive wife and Rachel who really helped give me that kick I need. And we did it together. We started the company and it's been an incredible ride so far. Let's go back for a sec because this whole area of ADD fascinates me because a couple of positive things that people may or may not know about people that have ADD. My son was borderline ADD and struggled in school. So we learned a lot about it back then. But the first thing is people with ADD have an average IQ 30 points higher than average because their brain is just firing all the time. It's just firing. It's going crazy. And what I've seen in the research that I've seen with my good friend, Dr. Jim Poole, who's a national expert in adult and child ADD, ADHD, and he has educated me on this. And he says, the problem for a lot of kids and what I'm hearing from you is it takes till you're like into your thirties a lot of times or sometimes into your forties to figure out how to get control of that freaking thing between your ears. You know, it's just firing all the time. So it's fascinating when you say, you know, being a firefighter under the conditions that you're in, I'm, I'm guessing you did this 
at a young age, like in your 20s. Yeah, actually, even just before my 20s. And I still feel like I'm struggling to get a control over the thing inside my head every day. But I love the way that I am. And I love the roads that it, it leads me down. And fortunately, I have a partner in Rachel who is willing to put up with it and is willing to help me put in the focus where it needs to happen. Yeah. To have a part of like, does she ever like stand right in front of me and go, focus, focus out <laughs> you know? right here, right here. Look in my eyes. You know, we all need that sometimes. So how did you make the jump though, from being a firefighter to retail? I mean, tell us about the first job. How did you, did you get that? You were, you walking into a Macy's one day and say, gee, I can do this. What, how did you do that? No, I actually had tried to get a corporate job at a department store in Pennsylvania called Hess's. And it was a old iconic store based in Allentown. It was a chain of stores. And I went through a series of interviews and felt that I could keep my job as a firefighter and start to ease into the business world. And I didn't know how that was going to go for me. And I really grew obsessed with the idea of it. And the week that I was going to get my job offer, I was informed that the company went into Chapter 11 and would ultimately be liquidating. So I wasn't able to even start that job there. So at that point, I interviewed with some iconic department store chains in New York City, ultimately got a job offer at Lord & Taylor, where I worked for the first couple of years of my business career, and then ultimately moved over to Macy's. And from about six months onward, I think a rough first six months, but about six months in, things really started to click for me. And I saw the business world incredibly clearly. And the rest of it was just, I had this incredible rise through the corporate ranks. What do you think was some of the key things that allowed you to have that kind of a quick rise in that world? That's very, very competitive, very challenging. I think when we were talking before, you were the young buck, you know, and, and there were a lot of older people there and they, some people resented that. You had to kind of work around those challenges, right? Yeah, absolutely. I was always, I mean, through childhood and in the fire department, I was always well-liked and I was a guy who brought people together. And it was tough to have a target on your back just because you started to achieve a level of success. So that was something that I had never experienced before. But what I really attribute, attributed my success to is that I wasn't better than anybody else around me. I wasn't, I didn't consider myself smarter. I didn't have better results necessarily, but I was really good at seeing the world clearly and being able to communicate my thoughts and ideas to senior leadership. And I always felt that people are just people. And if you treat people like people, you can make these connections. And I mean, I look back on it now and it's very clear, but at the time I didn't realize how different that was than my peers who, when were asked questions by senior leadership, they would almost fold or they would say just to, you know, give these little corporate snippets. And I would go in with insights about the business and I would talk to anybody as if they were a peer. And I still do that today. I mean, I talk to people no matter what level they're at, as high as CEO and as low as a trainee or an intern. I talk to everybody like they're a peer. Yeah. So let's go back for a second. When we have experiences that we've never had before, you said, you know, you came up to the ranks fairly quickly at Macy's and you had a target on your back because you were the young guy and achieving things that weren't expected. You were speaking your mind. How did you handle that? It was a really difficult thing to come to grips with. And I was always somebody who was very comfortable being vulnerable around people. I mean, I'm just secure with myself and I never minded 
breaking down walls. I never felt that because I had a title, I had to present myself a certain way. And realizing that I had a target on my back and that there were people who wanted to undermine me caused me to be a person that I didn't really want to be. Somebody Mm -hmm. who hid the vulnerability, somebody who put up more of those walls that tend to be put up in a corporate environment. And it took me a long time to realize what would be the turning point in that situation. And the turning point is all about respect and earning respect, giving respect, earning respect. And I feel like at the point that I started to earn the respect of the people around me, that was an incredible turning point. It was almost an epiphany because I always, I guess I felt kind of coming up through the ranks that you automatically get respect when you achieve a certain level. And when you have a title that comes with respect and that's not the case at all. Yeah. So that's one of the biggest learnings, right? Is you have to earn respect. You don't get respect based on the title. If you think that it's the title, we call that role identity, because if you think it's the title that gives you respect, when you lose the title, that's when a lot of people lose themselves and they really are challenged if they get laid off, if they get moved out. And in some ways that role identity, it's like, oh my God, I was a senior vice president. Now I'm nothing. And that's just not the case, is it? No. And it's funny because we joke around about that a lot with my friends from the industry, because I went from being this top level leader and running a a giant team to then starting my own business and trying to actually sell my products to those same people in a lot of cases. And I would joke around because they would give me a really hard time. And I would say things like, don't you know who I used to be? And I was really out there in this very, it's a very humbling thing to go from outside the umbrella of a big corporation and a big title to all of a sudden being out on your own. Incredibly humbling. So with that humility that you demonstrated humility early on, when you were describing that you just treat people as people and you are being vulnerable, and that's the number one value that I look for when I'm talking to a CEO. If I'm going to do some coaching, I want to make sure that they're humble, they're they're vulnerable enough and have enough modesty to actually listen to somebody else. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I'm not going to be able to help them. So I, I walk away from those. But you've talked about that in an underlying tone in everything that you've said so far that having that humility, having that modesty, and then, but losing the role and starting your own business. You know, what struck me is I'm sitting there thinking, now you only have the most difficult person to lead. (laughs) That is for sure. So how did that work for you leading yourself? I mean, talk a little bit about that transition and what you felt about it, how you overcame some of the struggles, the realization now that, oh my gosh, I'm on my own. As we all do with entrepreneurs, we're excited about it for about two to six months And then it's like the OMG moment hits us that we've got to produce. Yeah, I had a moment that I remember so vividly where you come up through the the corporate ranks and you get a review every year. And one of the categories in the corporate review was gets results. And I always ranked incredibly high at gets results. And I remember this day where I was actually standing in front of a mirror and I was looking at myself and I felt like I was looking at this scared kid and I'm usually somebody with who has my game face on anytime there's something that's competitive in any way, shape or form. And I was looking at this scared kid and I was berating myself in the mirror. I mean, basically saying, do you have what it takes to get results? Have you ever really gotten results? 
And when you work in a department store chain running a multi-billion dollar business and leading an entire team and you have 700 and some odd stores, you start to question, did I ever really get results? Did I make the right decisions? Were the results, were they because of me or was it because the weather was particularly cold when I was the outerwear buyer or the people in the stores just did such a great job of executing the plan? I didn't really know as somebody who had spent so long in management, whether any results that I took credit for over the years were really mine. And I really stood there just challenging myself. Can you get results? Can you do this? Do you have what it takes to really get the results when there's nobody to delegate to and there's nobody to spin the the numbers to? Do you really have what it takes? And in that moment, I felt like a switch flipped and I felt this intensity again that I felt so many times over the years when I was getting ready to, you know, called into a game or, or participating in something where there's a win-lose outcome. And I really, at that moment, felt that I had what it took in order to do it. And I went through this humbling road of shortly after I went to my first sales call out in California where I flew across the country by myself with these two giant sample cases. And I was trying to make get my way into the building. And I actually fell over something in the parking lot. And it was just humbling, humbling, humbling. But after that moment in the mirror, I feel like I never questioned my ability to get the results that were going to be critical to me not going back to the corporate world. So this, oh my God, moment was a moment of doubt, right? You're standing in front of the mirror as this moment of doubt and you're like, okay, was it luck? Was it circumstances? Was it the weather? Whatever it was, we can really go down that path or, or we can choose to believe in ourselves and get out there and do something about it. Right. And what I wrote down here is it was, I'll use my words. You stepped up. You decided I'm going to step up. I'm going to do what I've done before. But what I'm hearing is, and this is the important part here is you stop focusing on the result, you stop focusing on the goal, and you started focusing on the process. You know, who am I going to go talk to? You know, what what are the opportunities? What What's this buyer? What are, what's their personality? What are they like? How do I convince them? Can I fill a need for them? So you're starting to focus on the process, not the outcome of a sale. Is that a fair statement? That's very fair. And it, that's incredibly insightful. And at the beginning, I don't think I even knew that that's what I was doing. Well, sure. You know, but, but what you did know is you had a habit of taking action, right? Absolutely. But where the, a lot of the doubt came for me is that a lot of my habits for action was identifying the action and delegating the action. Mm-hmm. And now realizing that all those actions had to be on my own shoulders and I had to make it happen. That actually turned into something that proved to be incredibly empowering for me. So it's, it's a funny kind of a mind game, right? You know, you need to do something, you know what it is you need to do. Okay. Who do I delegate it to? I'm going to delegate it to me. Okay. Now let's get moving. Right. So, cause that's what being an entrepreneur is. You just delegated it to you. Yep. All right. And you became clear on what the process was was and what you needed to do based on all of these other things. And, you know, let's go back to being ADD, because this is the power that people sometimes don't understand. A lot of entrepreneurs are ADD. 
because they can't work for somebody else. You know, right. they can, but borderline, it's really hard. They feel constrained. You had a long career because you were moved into a lot of positions very quickly. Somebody along the way saw that talent and realized, gee, if this guy sits in a job more than two years, he's going to get bored and he's just going to explode, right? So they kept moving you, which is very smart. And an entrepreneur, you get to decide that yourself when's the next thing. In fact, what you have is you started, you don't just have one company, you have a couple of companies. Maybe you have more than that, but I know you've got at least two, you know, with Storebound and then Dash Holdings. So you've got a lot going on. Do you think that being ADD and having that active mind is part of what drove you to just get out of your own way and get rid of the doubt? I mean, it's, it's all connected, right? We're all like part of this whole. Yeah, I think something that I always felt was a hindrance to me is that I just jump into the pool. It's so difficult for me to really sit down and build a plan when I want to attack something. I just need to get into it. And that's something that I've really pushed myself to balance over the years and not just jump into the pool before I know, is there any water in it? And take myself out of situations that are dangerous. And that's a really, that was something that was very challenging for me to actually balance as I work my way through. But I think that ability, I just never felt paralyzed when I was staring down any type of an obstacle or any type of a challenge. I knew I could just get into it. And a lot of times that my first approach didn't really go very well. And it was only after I took a couple of runs at something that I was really good at seeing the the 360 degree picture of it and finding the best approach. Yeah. So I think of two things. First of all, from my standpoint, I would always have somebody on my staff because I was very similar to you, Evan. I would have somebody on my staff that I would say, okay, let's do this new thing. And they go, hey, Gary, this was their role. I would have somebody with the right personality with their role that would say, hey, Gary, I got two questions for you. Number one, what's that based on? And number two, really, how soon do we need to make the decision? So we should never make a decision before it's time. You know, if, if we don't need to make a decision until Friday, let's let's wait till Friday and gather more information. With all that you've got going on now, I, I want to ask you the question that I, I always love to ask towards the end of these podcasts. And uh, I don't know if I warned you or not, but here's the question. If you could write Evan a letter and send it back to yourself 20 or 25 years ago, maybe you were that, you know, younger person at Macy's or you were the firefighter, whatever it was, what would you have written to yourself and told the younger Evan? Slow down, slow down, be more thoughtful. ADD brings a level of impulsiveness that tends to be difficult to control. And it took me a really long time to understand that. And I was kind of blind to a lot of what I was dealing with. And I don't blame any action on ADD or any lack of action or not taking the right action. I blame everything on myself. And I really have done a great job being willing to accept responsibility. I think that that's something that I would tell myself. The other thing that I would tell myself is the lesson about respect and that respect is earned. And that was, I mean, truly an epiphany for me midway through my career. And I think I would have worked a lot harder to earn other people's respect instead of assuming it would just come to me because of a title or a, or a position. And I think those two things are are really meaningful. 
outside of that, I have no, no regrets and no wishes. I love the, the way that I went from emergency services into the business world. I love that I got a corporate education on somebody else's payroll and that I was able to learn from mistake after mistake after mistake when there was really no risk and certainly no personal risk. And I'm just incredibly happy and feel incredibly blessed to be where I am. And like I said, that is not just a result of me. That has been a, uh, a team effort in my relationship and my family and having wonderful kids who have made uh, being a father a lot easier than what I see a lot of other people going through. So I'm just blessed all around. Yeah, that's great. And when you go back and look at some of these things that you said about slowing down, I I would love to be able to tell that 18-year-old Evan, slow down and see the look on your face like, what? Right here. <laughs> Like, like you're, like you're going to listen, right? However, accepting responsibility for everything, the things that you talk about, about accepting responsibility, I'm going to go back to something else that you said about yourself that uh, was said very quickly and we kind of worked over it, but you said, I love who I am. I love the person that I am, you know, and to be able to have self-acceptance like that for any leader in any position, anything that we do creates so much power because when you don't, love yourself or care about yourself, that the way you communicate to others is felt, you know, we can't give what we don't have. If we don't love ourselves, we can't love others. And if we don't have respect for ourselves, we can't respect others. You can't give what you don't have. And through this journey in your life, there's a strong foundation that came through some of the challenges, through some of the struggles. And what I'll remember of this podcast is the evidence standing in front of that mirror as you described it and trying to figure out this lack of results and realizing that that lack of results is not Evan. It's not Evan. And we need as executives to remember this, the results we achieve or don't achieve is not who we are. And that's the message that I'm hearing from you. And it's just, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you today. You have any final thoughts, comments, or anything you'd like to say to, uh, well, to anybody, I'm just opening it up. Yeah. I mean, this has been a team effort to get us to the point that we're at. Our company was partially acquired this year by the largest, most well-respected company in our industry. And that is a testament of the team that I've assembled. Everybody on my team is better than me at whatever they're doing. I'm in awe of them every single day. And we just try to provide the best possible environment where talented people can really excel. And we give them the resources and the job security that they need to be able to work really confidently. And I just love opportunities like this to talk to people like you, where I can pause for a moment from the busy day and think about some of what we've achieved and why we've achieved it. And again, stop and slow down is, is such a such a blessing. And it's just so great to talk to you, Dr. Gary. Love all the conversations that we've had and look forward to many more in the future. Well, well, thanks, Evan. I, I appreciate that. And before we end, I seem to remember, it's in the back of my mind, was it a conversation that you and I had when COVID started that you got everybody in your company together and you sat down with them and you said, we are going to figure out a way to make sure that everybody has their job, that we work, continue to work forward. Wasn't that you and Rachel that talked about that? That was us. We pulled the entire team together and first spoke to our whole leadership team. And then the eight of us sat down with our giant team at large. And we basically said to them, 
We're sending everybody home. We're prioritizing safety. We're going to be working remotely. We don't know how long this is going to last. What we do know is that we've got an amazing team and you guys are like family to us. And I want to eliminate any concern that you have for job security because we've stress tested our numbers and we know that for the foreseeable future, we will be able to continue to employ everybody. There will be no layoffs. There will be no furloughs. We just want you to work confidently and be able to put more distance between us and the competition and you not have to worry about your livelihoods while you're doing it. Wow. And I'm going to assume that here we are nine, 10, 11 months later, and you've been able to keep that promise. We have not only kept that promise, but we have created another, we've layered on about 55% on top of the team that we currently have. And again, we're in the housewares business and more people are cooking at home than ever before. So every single day, we're thankful that we're in the product category that we're in that's been able to enable us to have a, a really healthy business through COVID. But in any situation, we would have prioritized the team no matter what the financials were. And we would have done everything humanly possible to make sure that we were able to fulfill our what we view as a very serious responsibility for all the other people's livelihoods who ensure that our company runs well every day. Well, I'm proud of you. I really appreciate the commitment. And really, again, going right back to that word that you said earlier, you're showing respect for your employees and all the, the family, the friends that work with you. And, and to be able to take that pressure off them early on and let them know we're in this together. I'm going to do everything I can to help you. That goes back to what I talk about all, all the time. IGYB, I've got your back. That's what we learn in the military. That's what my brother and I do for each other. And the more of that that we have in business, the better off the business will be and the better off this country will be. So thank you so much for sharing that, Evan, and your commitment to your employees, to yourself, to your family. It's been a real pleasure having you on today. Thanks so much, Dr. Gary. I'm Dr. Gary, making good bosses into great leaders with compassionate accountability. Thanks for joining us again at Leading from the Front, where leadership is a responsibility, not a position. Take care and be well. Thanks for being with us on Leading from the Front with Dr. Gary McGrath. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about the work Dr. Gary is doing, visit statarius.com. S-T-A-T-A-R-I-U-S dot com. Music for Leading from the Front is provided by Peter Katz. For more of his music, visit peterkatz.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.